had the opportunity last weekend to speak in misery, I mean Missouri, and uh, I spoke for a guy who was my youth pastor uh, here in Sioux Falls and the Church of the Bible back in 1982, and uh, man, he still looked good. Len Green says hello, if you know him, by the way, and... Uh, Len and Rita, they still, they, they seem like they're in a time machine, so, um, but somebody there said they thought, they hadn't seen me in 10 years, and I think what they were saying is, with my beard, I look 10 years older, so the next day I shaved it off on the drive and thought, I gotta, I gotta get back some years in my life, I gotta get youthful again, I'm starting to look your age, Greg, <laughs> I know, I know, it just scared me. So, but it was a good, it was a good time with some friends and uh, uh, God's moving in a little church and a little, he calls it a little backwards church, but you know, uh, it's really symbolic of, I think, the power of people together uh, because too much has been, too much emphasis has been put into the church to how good our production is and uh, how sharp everything is and how slick everything is, you know. Uh, under the cover of wanting to reach more people, but I've been in this work a long time, and I know behind the scenes that us pastors battle the same issues everyone else does, of wanting to build something for ourselves and wanting to be successful, and if you're going to build something, then you've got to make it bigger and better and, and faster and more, more buildings and bigger buildings, and um, it was just refreshing to be in a little place where, where God was there and that was it. It was nothing... Nothing besides uh, the presence of the Lord that would draw you there. And um, my, heart, my heart wants that for the church again, where his presence is what draws us to a place where what God is doing uh, radically reshapes our lives. And, uh, and it's not so noticeable uh, by the exterior signs of what we evaluate success by promotions and things like that, and adoration, uh, you know, recognition from people, but that God is doing something deep and personal and transforming our lives, and it's making a difference, and uh, I hope that's your goal in life, too. We're spending the n- <clears throat> uh, a few weeks, uh, I wanted to study the life of David a little bit, and so I, but I wanted to make sure that I disciplined myself to uh, keeping things focused on Jesus. And uh, sometimes uh, the Old Testament can be um, challenging to have it continue to stay forward. So I've titled this Jesus, the King of Kings, even though I want to study the life of David a little bit. And I won't get into David yet because today I'm going to start in, uh, in Samuel a little bit, the last, the last priest and prophet. He was kind of a prophet. He was kind of a priest. He was kind of a judge. And he was kind of all three. And uh, he was a transformational uh, leader at, at a time where, uh, where sh- it was shifting from the judges to uh, a king for Israel. And uh, so I want to spend a little bit of time studying the life of David, but I wanted to discipline myself with this title, Jesus, King of Kings, that would help me to always remember in every message to keep bringing it to us today and Christ today, those principles. Does that make sense? So... We're going to spend a few weeks studying some of the kings of old, but I want to declare to you first and foremost 
we already have a king today. We have a king, King Jesus. Amen? And he unifies us whenever the arguments that surround our culture try to divide us and separate us. Jesus should realign us as his kingdom followers because comparisons divide us. Even 2,000 years ago, debaters argued over who was the best preacher of the day. Some said, I follow Paul. Others said, I follow Apollos. And, and one said, I follow Cephas or Peter. Uh, Paul talks about it two different times in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he mentions it again and he makes the simple statement, is Christ divided? Meaning, of course, he is not. We have one Savior, one Lord, one King. Jesus is our King. Amen? Now, I know this is an early service and the 11 o'clock people are a little more rowdy than you, but... He's our king, amen? This is a collaborative, cooperative environment here, you know? You can even jump in a little bit and preach with me. Uh, we allow that. That's kind of part of our history. Some voted Trump, some voted Hillary. Uh, your response isn't amen, it's Lord help us all, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's your leader? Some name famous preachers of megachurches and brag about all they've been accomplishing. And is Christ the center? Next slide, please, Rachel. Whoop. Let him be praised. Let God be praised, not a man. Amen? Some are Packer backers. Some are bears. Some are Vikings. But Jesus is Lord of all. Amen? The name of Jesus may cause... A negative reaction in our world, but together as believers, his name is something that keeps drawing us back together, keeps making unity uh, a possibility in a fractured and splintered and opinionated and cynical world that we live in. Jesus is the king of all kings, the leader of all leaders, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You like chicken nuggets, Brian? Okay, good. Most kids do. It's interesting how many ways John, in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, describes Jesus. Just in the very first chapter, as he's starting to let his readers know who this man he, that he walked with and talked with that Jesus is. And he, he calls him Jesus. In one chapter, he calls him Messiah. Same chapter, prophet. Lamb of God, one who baptizes in the Spirit, chosen one, rabbi or teacher, Christ or anointed one, son of Joseph, Nazarene, son of God, son of man, and king of Israel. It's incredible that he hasn't even begun to talk about the miracles or, or he's, he's testifying about the life of Jesus. He, haven't, he hasn't even gotten to his miracles yet and what he has done publicly and yet so much is said about who he is. Who is Jesus is critical in your understanding. It's not only about loving God, but it's about knowing as well. To love the Lord with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength is both a challenge and a goal for us. See, 
I've been in circles where loving God was the most important thing. Fostering environment for love and passion for God, and, that, and that's critical. But, and some people have grown up in churches maybe where just knowledge was all that, right? Just knowing, being able to recite the catechism and knowing, knowing why you believe what you believe. And, and both people have a hold of some great dynamic truths. And, and the best is when we merge them together with, with a heart and passion for God and a knowledge of understanding of who He is. How can you, you, know, how can you fulfill that commandment to love the Lord with all your heart and with all your mind, right, if you're not engaged mentally in what you believe and why you believe it. To love the Lord your God with all your mind requires a depth of knowledge. That's why these times, I believe, are important pegs. I believe are important little bricks in the wall of faith of your life. Gatherings like this, we hope to engage the heart in worship and the mind in the Word of God. We each have a responsibility to discover who Jesus is and what that means in our everyday real life. He's prophet, priest, and king. And we've been called to understand and to know how to, how to enter into and lead worship environments of our own, of, of, of listening to the Holy Spirit, of, of walking in His authority. Those are kind of shadows or evidences of, of, a, of a prophet, priest, and king in, in your own modern New Testament life today. That we are a royal priesthood. That we have a responsibility to encounter God, to build an altar before Him, to give a sacrifice of praise. It doesn't come down to how good the worship band is at church of whether I worship God or not. Right? Like this should be a crescendo or an important meeting of our week, but worship should be invading our life throughout, throughout our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, our Thursday. And who's responsible for that? You are. You're a royal priesthood. Prophetic words are within a reach. The, the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. It, it, can it be alive? Should it be alive in the church? Yes and amen. But is it a Sunday kind of thing? I hope not. I hope the Spirit of God is weaving in among your Monday, your Tuesday, that sometimes you have a word for somebody on a Wednesday or sometimes you call for someone or you send a text and I said, I was just thinking about this. I, I, I came across a... I was, um, I can't remember, what do you call, I'm going to really sound old, one of those kind of memo things or whatever, you know, little saying picture things, what? Mem, yeah, thank you, I knew I'd sound really old, but anyway, it was one of those cool pictures and, and uh, it said, it said, it was the phrase that, that had caught my attention, and it simply said, why do keep, people keep bringing up my past? when I don't live there anymore. And I, sent, I just sent it to one person. And just out of the blue, right? I ran into it, I thought, I had saw him that week, and I thought, I'm going to send it over there. Boom. And he, he just texts back, how did you know? How did you know I needed that? And uh, began to describe some conversation that he had just had with somebody because he'd made a lot of mistakes in his life. prophet, priest, and king, that the anointing and the authority of Jesus has empowered us to walk in Christ unashamed and 
when I think about some of the ways that the kingship or kind of that kind of authority rests on us as believers, I think of the, the need for us to call one another into accountability, the need for us to challenge one another, that the rights are not confined in the kingdom of God to those in authority alone. Like together, we're a body with many members, and Christ is the head. So can, people can challenge the pastor. I think they should be respectful and kind, and, and they can challenge friends, and they can, they can see a compromise in someone's life and challenge them in a godly way. That's important. It describes a balanced, healthy life when we are taking on the nature of Jesus Christ in our own lives and have a... Have, uh, uh, shadows or reflections of prophet, priest, and king. I think it's a balanced, healthy New Testament life. The Lord is not taking us backwards to a time before the kings. He's advancing his kingdom and wanting us to keep a heart for God and a mind that understands his kingdom and it, that it's one true everlasting king and kingdom. In the same chapter... John the baptizer says, you will see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's speaking about the future of Jesus. The Lordship of Jesus will be proclaimed for the whole world to see this King of all kings. Revelation 19, near the end of our New Testament John is reflecting again. He says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and his righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were like many crowns, and he had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with an iron rod. He himself treads with wine presses of fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. Probably the coolest tattoo of all times. And probably if, if people tattooed uh, dynamic spiritual messages on their body, their parents would feel a lot better about it. <laughs> the coolest tattoo for eternity, the name written on his thigh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Will you stand with me? We're here to, to worship him today and join the angelic chorus and join, join the, the choirs of heaven who surround the throne. The scripture says, Daily, hourly, surrounding the beings crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And when we worship, we have the opportunity in a dynamic way of heaven and earth melding together in, a, in moments like this when we too are bringing our praise to the thrones of heaven.
trying to pull it together here in the front row, and then I just feel really like the Lord has a, has a wants me to say a couple things, and uh, that aren't in my notes. That uh, that He loves you, and that He has good stuff for you. And good, good things for you doesn't mean, please don't think of the American trap of materialism, but God has good things for those who serve Him and uh, that He is not mad, you know, uh, that uh, God's not mad at you and God's not going to make you do anything. But when you yield to Him, He has good things for you, so... Maybe right now in your life you're not ready to yield. You're not ready to give in. But when you do, uh, all that resistance will be gone in a moment. And God will bring you into good things immediately. So, at the risk of oversimplifying leadership and direction by God over thousands of years... It started in the garden with Adam and Eve, through their family, through Noah and the flood, the calling of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. If somebody could locate a Kleenex for me, I'd super appreciate it, because I'm ready to blow my nose on my nice jacket here. Can it be used? Uh, <laughs> can it be used? By Carmen, it can. She's family. <laughs> Now, what do you do? Put it in your pocket? Uh, <clears throat> couldn't figure out why no one would come forward today. <clears throat> God continues to speak through Noah when the world was... God's people seemed like their, their fate had been shrinking, and then the promise comes through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, uniquely working in each family to preserve us, a people of his, to himself. Moses, Joshua, and the judges take us through the Pentateuch. And God continues to rescue Israel in many dynamic and powerful ways as they inherit the promised land through the judges. Joshua, judges. The season of the kings, especially David's reign will give us some great study material, but I want to make sure that we're pointing it all to Jesus. He's our King. And by the way of introduction of this series, I just wanted to look for just a few moments here at Samuel, the last leader, before the monarchy of Israel is established. The last prophet, priest, and judge, kind of all of the above, for Israel was Samuel. Samuel himself was a prayer request. His mother, praying so fervently, overwhelmed in tears, praying and sobbing before the Lord, asking for a son. And Eli, the priest, sees her and thinks she's 
She's acting so frantically, it must have been, so abnormally in her crying and praying and bab- what looked like babbling. He thinks she's drunk and tells her, you know, get, take your wine and get out of here. And she says that, uh, you know, she's fallen before the Lord, crying out to God. And then as her prayer, he tells her, Eli t- tells her, go in peace, may the Lord grant you your request. But in that prayer, she said, Lord, if, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. And after the child was weaned, she brought her toddler, a probably toddler to school age child. Weaned was traditionally, by the way, are these good for a second use? Okay. I don't think I quite got it all out of there. It's that South Dakota stuff. It can freeze in there, come back in the spring thaws and... You know, it can be in there a long time. She brings this toddler age, probably, or young school age, because weaned traditionally meant about three years old. In Hebrew textbooks, there are, I won't get into it, but in Maccabeans, there's other historical texts of this time that talk about specifically three-year-olds being weaned. But uh, her own prayer here, Hannah, Samuel's, Mother in chapter 2, verse 5, sings a song unto the Lord, and she sings a verse, She who is barren has borne seven children. And so some scholars believe that, that Samuel was quite a few years old, and if she had seven children by then, and, and uh, you know, maybe there were triplets involved, it sped up the process, but so most would lean towards somewhere between three and six years old that Samuel was brought then to the house of the Lord and given to the high priest, here you go. She said, the Lord, I promised the Lord if he gave me a son, I will give him to you, Lord, for all his days. And can you imagine someone coming into church and Pastor Lance, here's my son, I promised him to the Lord. You know, I can just see Joan coming home after church on a Sunday with a little, little fella in the car with me and Oh, what's his name? His name's Samuel Jones. She's so sweet. She'd go, oh, aren't you the cutest? So how long are we watching him? Um, I believe the woman said all the days of his life. (laughs) You know? While leaving him with the priest Eli, God wakes up this little boy in the middle of the night, and he delivers a word from the Lord. He reluctantly tells his guardian in the temple uh, because the high priest Eli, the prophetic word that's spoken to Samuel is not positive because Eli's getting old. He's given leadership to his sons who are doing detestable things that aren't following and are not walking in the ways of the Lord and the priest has done nothing about it. And so Samuel tells him that the Lord is going to uh, take it out on your family. And the presence of the Lord had rested on Samuel. And the scripture says that all the people recognized Samuel as a prophet unto the Lord. When Samuel was old, his sons didn't serve the Lord either. First Samuel chapter 8 says, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judge over Israel. And the name of his firstborn, Joel, and the name of his second, 
Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old, your sons do not walk in your ways. Make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But they displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel praised to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. He declares to Samuel, now you know how I feel. Your parents have that thought in their mind when you're struggling with your kids. Now, therefore, heed the voice, heed their voice, however you, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them that their behavior, uh, of the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king, and he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He'll take your sons and appoint them for his chariots and, be his ho- and to be his horsemen, and some of them will run before his chariots. He'll appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He'll set some to plow the ground and reap his harvest. And some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He'll take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He'll take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves and and give them to his friends and servants. He'll take your stuff and he'll give it to other people that are more politically aligned with him. He'll take a tenth of your grain and your vintage. He'll take your officers, uh, his officers and servants. He'll he'll take your male servants, your female servants, uh, your finest young men and your donkeys. Probably in that order, right? Just kidding. And put them to work, and he'll take a tenth of your sheep, his serv- as, uh, and you will be his servants. You'll cry out in the day because your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you on that day. Okay? I'm warning you. It's not going to go well if you do this, and then you're going to get to the broken point where you're going to cry out to me, and I'm going to have to say, you wanted a king? There you go. Now walk through this. I wanted to be your leader. I had a better idea for you. But now you're going to have to walk through the chain of bad series of unfortunate events that are going to happen. I spelled it out for you, but still you said no. Nevertheless, Verse 19, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that the king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. We want a king to fight our battles. It's not the only time 
that God's people cried out for a king not too many chapters before this. In Judges chapter 8, Gideon had led this amazing battle. You know, Gideon, you know, down to 300 men and they defeat, uh, I believe it's 120,000 Amalekites. And after the battle's over, it's hip hip hooray! It's hip hip hooray! It's, it's carrying... Uh, uh, Belichick off, I mean, uh, 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 Gideon on the shoulder off the field, the battlefield, blood's everywhere, the blood, blood is everywhere of the Falcons, I mean the Amalekites, it's, it's all over and they put it up there and they hip hip hooray for Gideon, hey, hip hip hooray, uh, who is like this Gideon, let's make him our, put a crown on him, they tried to put a crown on him and make him a king, and Gideon refused. And what did he say? The Lord will rule over you. How cool is that? That the people tried to make him their supreme ruler. And he was too smart for that. Judges chapter 9. Gideon's son named Abimelech has 28 brothers. And realizes that with 28 of us and Gideon dying soon, this is going to be a lot of power, you know. He says, it'd be better if one of us ruled. And people were going, yeah, yeah, some conversation there. Yeah, yeah, in Judges chapter 9. And so what does he do? He slaughters 27 of his brothers. He wanted to slaughter all 28 of them, but one of them snuck out and was probably the young one really fast. Never caught him. His name was Jotham. In verse 7 it says, When Jotham, he went and stood on top of a mountain and lifted his voice and he cried out and he said to the people, Listen to me, that God may listen to you. He says, the trees once went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go and sway over trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, you come reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness of my good fruit and go sway over the trees? And then the tree said to the vine, you come reign over us. But the vine said to them, should I cease my my new wine which cheers both God and men and go sway over trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, you come rule over us, or the thorn bush. <laughs> and the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. And if not, let fire come down out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. <laughs> and right after that, Abimelech is walking near a wall, and a woman drops a millstone off the wall and cracks him in the cranium and he's about ready to die and he asks one of his servants to kill him so no one will think he was killed by a woman. What's so odd about that? <laughs> Who hasn't suffered at the hands of a woman? <laughs> half the crowd smiling, half of it staring intently. 
but the city is torched and lit on fire, and God's word comes true. Back to Samuel, verse 21. Samuel heard all these words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord, so that the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. A fabulous, godly Christian leader is not how God wants to lead the church today. It didn't work. Men were caught up looking after themselves. Men aged and made unwise decisions. Men got people around them that told, gave them bad advice. People rose up. Insurrections arose. Coups arose. Jealousies inflicted upon humans who couldn't quite get the heart and know how to respond right in the eyes and the heart of the Lord. We are the church. Many members where Christ is leading us today. We don't need a president, I mean a, a king, to fight our battles for us. Amen? We don't need someone to fight our battles for us. Amen? We don't need a senate, a congressional house, or even a godly supreme court, as nice as it would be, to protect our values or to preserve the truth of the gospel or to keep Jesus' kingdom intact. We don't need them. The key to our blessing, our protection, and our future, both during and after this life, is following and serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have a king, and his name's Jesus. Amen? Now, I, I served, and I'm, I'm, I'm pro-military, let me, let me say that, but we don't need a strong military defense. Our country does. <laughs> Our country does. The, the citizens, the, the nation of the United States, but the kingdom of God, which is reigning above that, which connects all, you know, like the, the people of God around the globe, Lord, bless our military, but our security as believers is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever had someone ask for something and you knew it was a bad idea, but they kept asking and asking and asking? <laughs> if you've had kids about Brian's age, how old are you, Brian? 11. They never stop asking, do they, Carmen? You can't help it. You can't help it. He was just as ornery as you at 11. Probably worse. And eventually, sometimes exasperated, sometimes knowing, parents, we say, okay, go ahead. You don't know how many guys I served next to in Marine Corps boot camp that weren't going to let anybody tell them what to do back home. Not their mom, not their dad, no teacher, no boss. I'm going to show all them, right, Matt? I'm going to show everybody. I don't have to listen to anybody. I'm going to the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> sir, can I go potty, sir? You know, <laughs> like, okay, you know, I don't think that's a good idea for you where you're at in your life, but 
certain point, you've got to let people make their decisions, and you're going to see a whole bunch of series of events that are going to right in their face, and either they're going to have to humble themselves and change, or they're in for a lot of trouble, and they'll end up behind bars. Will you stand with me? With all that's going on in our culture, I think it's important for us to realize the strength of what we're a part of. And, uh, and I just want to pray the blessing of the King over you. Father, as we leave this place today, and the Lordship of Jesus Christ is reigning in this world. And yes, there are kingdoms and there are people's groups that don't recognize. But we pray that you will continue to help us walk in the light and walk in the truth. And walk with the confidence of a kingdom that is unshakable. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us for these last great days to reveal who Jesus is to us so we don't have to walk in darkness. That we don't have to let whatever happens around us push us left and push us right and, and make this decision for us and slam us over here and that, that our life is, when it's placed in your hands, there's a confidence that you won't allow anything that we cannot endure to come our way. That nothing slips your eye, that you are producing good things ultimately when our life story is told. And maybe right now some of the chapters are conflict. Maybe so, right now some of the chapters of our life are very difficult, hard to figure out. Why, 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 why? But Lord, may you continue to help our eyes to be on the King the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that your leadership, your help, your light will be on us as we go from this place in Jesus' name. And all the church whispered, amen. You can find us online at Falls Church or by searching Facebook at facebook.com slash fallschurch.cc.